Oh, election day is coming all this week. The top mayoral candidates are going to be in studio right before news with Jacqueline LaBelle. You probably heard the new Cheng for Change jingle. I don't know if our guest today is going to sing it for us, although he probably could. This, he seems to be able to do anything. We do have Paul Cheng himself in studio to kick off London Live. Mr. Cheng, how are things? Mike, thanks for your time. It is Chang for Change. Now, I'm I'm not going to ask you to sing it, but you have found two people who've done a good job. They were introduced to us by Pete Denemy at the London Music Club on uh, Coburn. They just sang one note, Change. I go, <laughs> wow. So, and I thought, what can we do to help promote them? Because they're they're bands. They're trying to break you know break into the open, and there's. They're, they're, I want their names to be international. I'm hoping people say, where'd you get those girls? Where'd you find them? What's their name? Who are they? So their names are, are Fatima and Tanya. Okay. All right. Well, they are trying to sing you into the mayoral seat and the mayor's seat in London, Ontario. And we'll see what happens as election night approaches. You've been through this once before in running in 2014. How are things different this time around? Mike, the more I look into it, the more people tell me, you should know about this or that. And I'm thinking the intransigence, the refusal to change, to modernize is ingrained so deep. But we lost four years, Mike. And if I could, if we were different, if we gotten in, Adelaide Underpass would have been done by now. That's the one difference. Okay. So when you look at, at going the first time and then deciding to run again. Let's even trace that back to the beginning because you did finish second in 2014. Right. Election night, October 27th. What was that experience like for you? Disappointment that I could not deliver to the people who voted for Chang, the 37,000, I believe it was 800 people. They put their faith and trust in me for a mandate for change, and I couldn't do it. And that's... that's, uh, I just, I'm sorry, but I, this time, that's why I'm running, is to make sure that we make the changes that people want and need. So what do you think happened the first time? Because, let's face it, you were a relative unknown coming in in 2014. You made yourself known. You earn over 37,000 votes. What was it that you think maybe didn't get you up over that second hump into a win that night? Well, I think the... Um my um, one of the establishment endorsed my opponents, so that was that hurt. But I just didn't get enough time to get that message. But from a standing still, people sense that there is honesty and sincerity in Chang. So that's why they they picked Chang instead of my opponent Brown. Paul Chang joining us in studio to kick off London Live as we talk with all the leading mayoral candidates this week as we get closer and closer to Election Day. You may have advo- you may have voted already in advance polls, or you may be looking to cast your ballots. We're going to get to ranked balloting in just a little bit. But if we look at, at the slogan that you have, you've, you've burned it into our brains. That's good, the whole good. thing. <laughs> we still have people saying, okay, let me know what that means. What is underneath the slogan? If we're at a point to some of the things that, that you want to make sure you do, should you win on October the 22nd, what's number one? As I said to you and uh, your um, uh, competitors, get out to see the world open your eyes beyond the confines of London 
and you say, wow, the rest of the world has advanced so much. We're behind times. The questions of what do we need to do becomes irrelevant. We have to catch up in business, commerce, and manufacturing. It's not just for me or you. It's to rebuild the, the reputation of London to be a business-friendly city. So what have we lost out on? What are we missing that if you could take these pieces and insert them, you feel London would be back where it needs to be? Mike, we don't have to look very far. Just look at Brantford, Cambridge, Kitchener-Waterloo. When you drive along the 403 and 401 corridor, they have heavy industry. They have light industry. They have manufacturing. Their city is advanced. We're falling behind. You don't see that here. And that's what I want to bring to London here is the, is the, the hub, the critical mass. Now, we do know that we have a um, burgeoning high-tech sector, a gaming sector. Those sorts of things are coming in. Do you look to those or you're you're not buying into those? I love it. We have some islands of brilliance. Those, the uh, the voices, the the Armatech, he's in in Dorchester, of course. Uh, General Dynamics, uh, we have uh, um, the one on Oxford by the airport. There's multiples of them and there's, there's multiple new startups. But where do we stand compared to other cities, Mike? We have islands of brilliance, but not enough. You see what I'm saying? Not enough. Okay. Then what do we need to simplicity, do? Simplicity. Simplicity. To attract more. Simplicity. Our city hall is not business friendly. The bureaucracy is killing us. We, are, we developed a reputation as business unfriendly. When you want to expand from Mississauga, what do you think? You don't think of London. You think of Kitchener-Waterloo, Cambridge, Hamilton. I want them to say, no, you got to go to London first. They're with it. We're not. So I want to change that. Get a business guy in there. Simplicity. Do what you need to do. Get it done and move on. So when you say a business person in there, where do you mean? The mayor, the leader. So that's you. The mayor is the leader. I have world-class experience, not political rehash but world-class, real-world experience. I deal with folks from around the world in multiple countries. That's the difference. Now, in terms of, of selling London to anyone who might be thinking about coming to London, what is it that you would sell? What would you say, London has this? You have to come to London because of this. We are, we have people with brains. We have people who can do things. But they're hampered. I talk to them and they talk to me and say, I want to expand, but do you know how much I have to wait? I have to wait eight months, two years sometimes for just to get a license. And so that's not helping. Like that mushroom uh, company, 10 acres. We couldn't talk to the guy, so he moved and he went to some other places. Um, we have multiple problems, like the, um, the Gateway Casino. They got so mad, they said, we're moving out of here into, into South London. Business doesn't. Business except we have to wait. We get to, we have to wait for permits. But what they cannot stand is the unknown. How long do I have to wait? We don't know. Well, I can't stand that. If you say, listen, three months, we'll get it done, and then you can move on. They can accept that. So if there are bureaucracy issues, and you're not the only one who has mentioned that at City Hall, how do you fix that? Because that involves more than just waving a magic wand. That's, that's fixing the way that things are done. I've done this around the world talking with different groups, multiple nationalities. And I said on my platform, number one, I want to talk to the uh, city manager and city planner. We'll sit down with their staff and says, we have, what is the longest waiting permit in the file? Let's pull the longest one from the bottom of the file, pull it out and says, what is the problem here? 
And they say, well, we don't know about this. Here's a, well, something's here, something. I says, what is the issue? Let's find out what is the issue and address that one issue. I don't want to address the whole pile, but that one permit, that one issue. And 30 days later, we'll come back to it. Tomorrow, I will address the seven-year-old permit and say, what is that problem? And we'll address that one. And in 31 days' time, we'll look at that problem and did we solve it? If not, what is the holdup? Why do you think that hasn't been done already? People in City Hall are doing their best, but there's confusion. There's, they're scared to move. No one wants to take a position. Don't, you know, don't talk to me. I want to protect my job. Because you know it's hard to find a $100,000 job in London. Well, I think we all agree on that. It's not abundant. So there's, there's a stagnation. And I say my job is to instill confidence and leadership into City Hall staff and say, take a chance. Do it. If it doesn't quite work the first time, I'll take the hit. I'll take the bullets. But do it. And then we learn from there. Paul Chang with us in studio as we meet each of the leading mayoral candidates this week on London Live. We'll have more in just a minute. We're going to talk about ranked balloting. We'll talk about the polls. Can Paul Chang win? Is that what he believes? We're going to find that out. I think I know the answer. But we'll dig into some other issues as well. We're starting off the week a little gray. We're expecting maybe some snow flurries. We'll have more details on that a little later on. More with mayoral candidate Paul Chang next on London Live on Global News Radio 980 CFPL. We are talking with Paul Chang in studio. We will be speaking with each of the leading mayoral candidates as the week moves along. And we've had even a couple of emails that have come in saying that that you've got a lot of action in your voice and a lot of get things done. They they still want an outline of, of what those things would be. So you've talked about redoing City Hall, making changes to the way bureaucracy works, attracting businesses. No, not redoing City Hall, Mike. It is continuing it, but streamlining it. Okay, so that's not a redo. That's No, no. There, there are people who know this. there is a system in there, but it's stagnant right now, and there's blockages. Nobody wants to make a decision. Okay. They're scared to do something. And I say, let's find out what is the issue one at a time, and I will stand in front of you. If, you know, if something doesn't work, I'll take the hit. They can, they can accept that. Okay. With that in mind, if we're looking at attracting businesses, if we're looking at at spelling out the things that London has, what are we missing other than maybe the delays and things that would really attract new business, new jobs to London, Ontario? Number one, mentality, aggressiveness. We are not aggressive. We talk a lot about it. The LEDC have all the metrics that they set out. They satisfy their own metrics. But what I say is, what did we get for that money? So that's the difference. Uh, the, people go through all these motions to the study, the fancy plans. I say, no, keep it simple. Do the things we need to do. Get the Adelaide underpass done first. Move the, the bus bays over, as I mentioned before. And I want the soil sample and look at Richmond. When the Adelaide is done, then I will attack Richmond. But do those simple things, get the basic things right. Now, when you say Richmond, are you talking BRT lanes, that sort of thing, or is that something different? No. No, You you don't seem to like those letters. It's not just that, but there is one fatal flaw in the BRT, Mike. What is it? Well, I'm concerned about the traffic that it will cause. I'm concerned about a number of different things. You're saying that's not it? There's There's one fundamental. What's your fundamental fatal flaw in BRT? Ding, 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 ding. Railroad. 
the fact that we have railroad tracks running through the city. Yes, sir. When you have the railroad across Richmond, mm-hmm. what happens to all those buses? They have to stop. Yes, sir. But in the computer simulations that's displayed in the library and in the city hall, there's never one scenario where it shows the buses stopped. And all those black dots that they line up, they all line up and then it piles up. Now, is it too late? I mean, is BRT being moved forward to the point that you can't turn back? You you can't make it something different? I mean, we've got provincial and federal monies locked up in this that were there for the taking. We put up our hands, said, here we go. What do we do with how far the project has gone then? If they want the money to address sewage and utilities, why didn't they say that at the very beginning? So I say take the money. But right now, the province has put a hold on it. And there's no master plan, there's no contract, there's no specific issues that says you must satisfy these to get the money. I say, whatever it is, get it, take it. Do the sewer, do the utilities. But there's no timeline that says i got to move the bus lanes from here to that side. So we can push that back 20 years. What about the railroad tracks that do run through the Must city? be fixed. Must be addressed Fixed? First. Moved? What? No, no. Moving is insane because they've been here before the country was formed. They have... <laughs> Their rights precede, uh, precedes ours, predates ours. So the, the easiest, the simplest, Adelaide first. And then Richmond, either underpass or overpass. But I cannot accept Adelaide and Richmond both tore up at the same time. That would be chaos for the city. So when you're talking Richmond, you're not talking north of Oxford. You're talking at those train tracks, do something, underpass, yes, overpass. Whatever it is, get it. Get something underneath yes, those but tracks. But that is four years in the future because I want Adelaide. That's a big first. job. It is. I can't even imagine that happening. Wow. Can you accept the fact for the next 50 years of the same problem? No, I I can't accept that either. Those are the critical issues we must do now. Okay, so if we're looking at infrastructure in that way, those are the things that you would look at. We've looked at business and what you believe needs to be done at City Hall, looking at attracting new businesses. Now, if that existed, if if we did have the wave of the wand and those underpass slash overpass appear... That's 10 years. That's Okay, that's 10 years. Are, are, we, are we needing to wait that long before we can make this an attractive city for business? In the meantime, yes. We can really? do it at the same time. But we must get those addressed. Okay, so and how how do we do it then? What happens in the ten year period then if we're looking to make this a hub of something? Do we need a do we need to be a hub in a city yes, anymore? Yes, we need to be. A, we have to have critical mass in finance and intellectual properties. We are lacking that. We have small islands of brilliance, but we need to expand that. Now, if you look at some of the other cities that you've referenced, that you've looked at, some of them, Kitchener-Waterloo, that is a hub for high tech. And that was born, I don't know, maybe on the back of of RIM and has continued on. But we didn't grow here. What can London be? What what hub can we be? Mike, it is mentality. As as I mentioned on my advanced patent uh, on advanced material, I was invited to talk in the U.S. in the Global um, Standards Committee and then went to Calgary for the global uh, show. I come back, I made the same presentation to all the powers that be here. And the response was, why don't you go to Waterloo? From who? Who gave you that response? From the very, very high up here in the city. In London? In London. The very high ups. And I said, okay. I hung my head low. I said, I'm so sorry to hear that. I went to Waterloo, and this is, we'll help you. We'll take it. And from there, they introduced me to their contacts, but migrating further east towards Hamilton. And I've seen advanced manufacturing, but what they introduced me to, I go, 
wow, this is really world class. So it's, it's the mentality, take the chance. But we must recognize we need advanced technology here. So you're talking about a patent that you purchased. No, no, I, I invented. I got invent- two patents. Okay. I got two patents. All right. So a patent, that, two patents that you have, you pitched that to London. They yes. said, go to Kitchener-Waterloo. Yes, yes, yes. That's what hurts. When did that happen? It was about uh, three months ago, four months ago. Hmm. Okay. So when, when you look at, at how that should have been done differently, what should have been done? It wasn't a whole lot of money. I was willing to fund a lot of it myself. But I want industry and the intellectual groups here in London because it's, it's more than one guy. The one patent was granted last year in May uh, 2017. The second is a global patent. And it could be uh, similar. I, I mentioned them. It could be another general dynamics or something like that. Maybe not as big, but it could be. It should be. Uh, but no, not, you know, when you have something built, when you got customers made, we'll help you. I thought, by then, I don't need your help. So you believe we need to be more business first. Yes, absolutely. Okay. We are too smug. We, we need a change in mentality. We need to be aggressive and hungry. Paul Chang with us in studio as we talk with the leading mayoral candidates as we get closer to October 22nd and the municipal election. Something that is different this time around from last time around is ranked balloting. <laughs> How do you feel about ranked balloting being used? Council took their eyes off the ball. We had Sanctuary City, Rank Ballot, and then the BRT. That's just consumed all the energy inside City Hall. Rank balloting, I say, my, my, as I mentioned in other places, my mom lives at one of the senior homes. The seniors saying, what, how do you work this? Like, what is this thing here? And I say to the folks, put Chang number one, one counselor, make it an old-fashioned ballot, and be done with it. That's it. Put Chang over the, the hurdle of 51%, and just, that's it. Okay. Now, there are still people who are, are wondering, you know, exactly what will happen on election night with ranked balloting. Is it, do you, are you concerned that, that things will not go the way they would have had we stuck with the old system? Don't know. Just too far to tell because there's just so much confusion on that. Because according to the city hall, if, they, if we don't have 51%, they're going to shut down that night and restart it the next day. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking all this is supposed to be automated. Once you fed it into the computer once— why are we interfering with a, with a human hand in between iterations? So that doesn't make sense. If we look at what you felt the big issue was at the start of this mayoral campaign, what would you have pegged it as? Never thought it would. It, it, I read the BRT plans. I actually read them in um, the three of them, the, 20, uh, the uh, LTC, the LRT, BRT, and then finally the BRT. The first one, I wasn't quite sure. I thought, gee, maybe I'm not understanding the numbers. When I read the LTC, or LRT, BRT, I thought, these numbers are made up. And when I read the third document, I go, these guys are pulling numbers out of thin air. So that's when I thought, something's got to be done. And, and that's when I asked my wife if I can attend City Hall to say, to listen on the first um, the BRT uh, committee meeting. And you should have heard her scream, why do you want to do that? Are you crazy? <laughs> so she didn't talk to me for two weeks, but she understood. And is that what brought you back into the race, you feel, this time? Pretty much, yeah. Because I was, I wished Council the best, and I wished Brown the very best. I didn't say a thing, and I did not want to interfere at all or second guess. And you know when the radio says, oh, come on, say something. I said, no, no, thank you, but no comments. So, but when they pushed the BRT onto us, I thought, you got to stand up and say something. Now, that was the big issue that maybe brought you in. What are you hearing from Londoners in terms of what their issues are? The establishment here... Is scared is 
insisting, we know best. Leave it to us. Give us one more chance. And I say, enough of the establishment. Enough of the, of the old boys network. Enough of the backroom deals. Remember the King's Mill deal? $30 million? That was just an appetizer. This, the $500 million, it's just a start, Mike. So get an honest person in there, and it's Chang for change. Okay. We'll give you 30 seconds to 60 seconds. Why should someone put down the name Paul Chang and nobody else on election night? Beholden to no one, no particular party, I work for the people of London, the next generation. It is the children, if they can have a career and jobs here, and if we can thrive because I, I tried something different, then I've done my job and I've repaid my debt to the people of London. Mr. Chang, thank you so much for being in studio today. Thanks for having me here. Paul Chang, we're talking with the leading mayoral candidates this week on London Live. We have news coming up next with Jacqueline LaBelle. You are listening to London Live on Global News Radio 980 CFPL.